Welcome to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. Let's get inspired. Hi friends, and thanks so much for tuning in today to episode 7 of the Crafting and Coffee with Amy Latta Creations podcast. Today we're talking about furniture makeovers, which is something that I love. I have a whole house full of furniture that I have painted and redone. Um, You'll find more furniture in my house that I have tackled um, and made my own rather than uh, store-bought things. And so I'm really excited to talk with you about how to do that and to make your home look exactly the way that you want it to look with the help of these furniture makeovers. Um, So just a quick introduction. I am your happy hostess, Amy Latta. I am a blogger at amylattacreations.com where I share all kinds of craft projects and ideas. I often have an emphasis on hand lettering and I've written several books about hand lettering and you know, that's something that I also love to talk about. I've got an episode where I talk about how to get started with lettering and the supplies that you'll need for that. But for today, we're going to shift our focus to a different type of crafting, which is when we're giving our furniture a whole new look by ourselves. It's a, a fun DIY project that anybody can do, um, but I think a lot of times people are intimidated by it because furniture is kind of a big thing. It's a big deal. Um, so today, we're going to talk about why we give our furniture makeovers, what supplies you need to do that, and exactly how to do it to get great long-lasting results. So as we start off today, we're talking about the why, and I'm assuming that if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already at least a little bit interested in painting furniture or giving your furniture a new look. Um, But just in case, let me tell you a few reasons why this is something that people like to do. Um, I know there are some folks out there, my friend Matt is one of them who's a real naturalist and he absolutely flips out anytime that I paint over a piece of wooden furniture because he says, oh, you're ruining the beauty of it. And, you know, it was this beautiful piece and you're changing it. And I, I totally get that. I get that perspective. I have a wooden piano in my living room that I've had since I was three years old, and it is absolutely beautiful. It's a work of art. But you know what happened? We host a middle school Bible study at our home, and um, we host other things too where the, the boys' friends are able to come over. And at some point recently, someone put a cup of something on the piano, and now that beautiful wooden finish has a giant ring on it. And I know those of you who have had a similar experience can feel me on this. It's heartbreaking when you have a beautiful piece of furniture and something happens to it. It gets a ring, it gets a scratch, it gets a dent, it gets, you know, somebody writes on it with permanent marker, it gets paint on it. Um, Something happens because, let's face it, life happens. So sometimes the reason to redo furniture is because it gets damaged and we don't want to get rid of it. You know, something happens to it and it means something to us or you know it's too expensive to replace it we want to keep that piece you know I certainly don't want to part with my piano that I've had for more years than I care to give you a number for and you know I can either say well I'll live with it and be upset every time I look at it or I'll give it away or you know whatever get rid of it or 
I'm going to give it new life. And I'm going to be choosing giving it a new life. As soon as I get my hands on some chalk paint, that's the color I want. I'm going to be redoing that piano. Um, and so damage is definitely one reason why folks choose to give furniture an upcycle. Um, another reason is simply that furniture is expensive. Maybe you just moved and you have to fill a whole house with it and you're realizing, my gosh, it costs a lot. To furnish a home. Or maybe you're redoing a room, you're changing a bedroom into an office or an office into a bedroom, and you find that it's much cheaper to go to Goodwill and get a bookcase or, you know, an end table or to find something at a yard sale, or I've even scored beautiful pieces um, when our neighborhood does bulk trash just because you know, maybe they did get damaged and somebody doesn't want to deal with it anymore. Or maybe they just don't want that piece of furniture anymore. So they put it out on the sidewalk and there's nothing wrong with it. Once I picked up a little dresser, a kid's dresser that they put out because it was missing a handle. And goodness, (laughs) we can all easily fix a missing handle. Um, So it's much, much cheaper to find pieces that are still in decent condition in those kinds of places uh, than it is to go to the furniture store every time that we need something. Um, But obviously those pieces often need a little bit of TLC to make them something that we want to display in our homes. Maybe you want to redo your furniture because you're redecorating and you want something that matches the look or the color scheme that you're going for. Um, For example, my very first podcast episode, if you go all the way back to episode one about creating a crafting space that you love, I talk about how I changed, completely overhauled my craft space in the basement. And you can see pictures of it on the blog. um, And you'll see that the color scheme is bright whites, it's grays, it's teal, um, gold, it's bright and beautiful. And the built-in countertop had a base with some cabinets and drawers in it that were this wood that just didn't match anything else that was in here. So what I decided, since I couldn't, and even if I could, wouldn't have wanted to take it out. The counter space is very valuable. Uh, I decided that it was really easy for me to paint that wood gray, and now it matches and blends beautifully with the rest of the room. So there's lots of reasons why we may want to redo a piece of furniture. We might be trying to save money. We might be trying to save a particular piece that's damaged or even just sentimental. Um, Like I just recently redid a china cabinet that was given to us by my grandmother's neighbor when we got married. And it had a story behind it. You know, it was something that he and his siblings had saved up their own money for to buy for their mother as a gift. And he didn't have any children, he never married, and he didn't have anyone to pass it down to. So when my husband and I were getting married, he was good friends with my grandmother, and he knew about it. And he said, hey, I would like to give this to you guys as you're starting your home and your family. And, you know, it's one of those things that eventually, we used it for years, and eventually it just didn't really fit into our decor scheme anymore. But I couldn't part with it because it has a story. So instead, I repainted it, I stenciled on it, and gave it totally new life. And now it's serving as like a bookshelf kind of area. And um, I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite pieces in the house. And I love that I was able to give it another chance at being displayed and um, being somewhere that everyone can see and enjoy it. So that's a little bit about the why behind why we may want to redo some of the furniture in our home. 
And so the next question leads us to what are the supplies that we need if we're going to do this? So this is where we really need to break down and ask ourselves, what is the look that we're going for? We need to say, are we going for um, what I typically do, which is that farmhouse look? When I paint furniture, I love that matte, chalky finish. And, you know, it's got the wax to seal it. And, you know, it's got maybe some stenciling, maybe some detailing, some distressing. That's what I go for. And so I'm definitely going to be telling you all that you need to know to get that look. But that's not what everyone has to do. You may be wanting to redo a dresser for your, you know, tween age daughter's room, and she might want it bright, glossy pink with sparkles. And that is a-okay. You know, I am all about the glitter too. So, you might be going for a totally different look. You may hate the shabby chic distressed farmhouse look and you want something painted but you want it to look like it's brand new. That's fine. Um, there's lots of ways that you can do that too. So when we're talking about supplies, it's going to vary a little bit based on what ultimate look you're going for. But some of the things, obviously, all of us are going to need. So we're going to go ahead and I'm going to give you a supply list. And, you know, if you get a chance, you can always go back and write these things down. I also have lots of furniture makeover posts on the blog where I list out my specific supplies. Um, But we're going to talk through the basic things that you need. And really, it's not that many. And that's why I think this is such an accessible project to do because you don't have to have a ton of tools and supplies, just some basic things and furniture that is either already in your home or that you can easily acquire for just a few dollars at your local thrift shop. So the first thing that you're going to need are drop cloths because I promise you, even if you're careful, even if you think you won't, you will get paint on your floor. I can attest to this firsthand. Personally, my husband can tell you story after story after story. Um, If you look in my redone craft room, you will see that I have several area rugs on the floor, and that is because I painted the carpet by accident while I was redoing furniture down here. So please trust me. Take my advice. You know, you can even do it outside, but even then, I would still use drop cloths. So get, you know, old sheets that you're not using or just something, anything that you can put down, newspaper, whatever it is, just put something down to save your floor. Then you're also going to need something to paint with. Some folks, depending on the size of your piece, if it's really big, like a china cabinet, you may want to think about like a small paint roller and one of those little small trays. They're real easy to find at the Home Depot. They're adorable, and, you know, that'll make it a little bit easier for you to apply the paint so you can get one of those small rollers, or I would say just large brushes. Plaid makes this wonderful brush that it almost reminds me of, like, the size of a comb, but it has really longer bristles, and it's made for painting furniture and big things like that. Um, so try to find just the biggest brushes you can because the larger your piece, the more work it's going to be, obviously, to paint it. And you're going to need several coats. So you're going to be hating life if you're using like a tiny little paintbrush. So find yourself either a small roller or a large brush or one of each. You're going to want either a roller pan if you're using the roller Or, you know, I oftentimes will use paper plates just to pour my paint out so you're not trying to work out of the bottle with your big brush and just have it there on a plate that you can dip your brush into. You may want primer. If you are not doing the farmhouse chalk look, you definitely need primer. 
if you are using chalk paint, one of the benefits is that, you know, it always advertises and says that you don't need a base coat, you don't need to prime, you don't need to sand or otherwise prepare your surface. And for the most part, that's true. Um, It sometimes is easier if you use primer first, though, if you have a glossy surface. So no matter what kind of finished look you're going for, if you're wooden piece has that glossy finish on it, you're definitely either going to want to sand it off or you're going to want some kind of primer that you can just put a layer of kills on it and that can kind of um, just even things up a little bit so that you have a a starting point that's not shiny and going to make your paint roll off of it. Then you're also going to need the paint of your choice. So if you are not going for the farmhouse look, you can use a latex paint. You can also use an acrylic or multi-surface paint. It's whatever paint you like, the color of, um, you know, you can choose whatever it is that you want. You can use spray paint. I've done that before. Um, You definitely have to do that outside on a nice day when it's not windy. (laughs) I find that I like my results a lot better when I do it with brushes and other types of paint, but you are always welcome to try things for yourself. So um, you've got latex, acrylic, multi-surface, spray paint, or if you want to go the farmhouse route like I do, um, my absolute favorite is folk art home decor chalk paint. And so again, that's folk art home decor chalk. I have used lots of the brands that are out there on the market, and that one is my favorite. It gives the best coverage. In my opinion, it has the best colors as far as what I've been looking for. It has a huge color variety and, you know, it lasts for years. It stays beautiful. The wax is nice, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, It is absolutely my favorite by far. And they recently just came out with a new version of this, which is Folk Art Home Decor Textured Chalk. And that is the same gorgeous matte finish, but it has a little bit of texture to it, which is really cool for layering and distressing. And it just gives it a little bit of a different look. So you can go with either one. The regular home decor chalk is completely flat, or you can try the texture chalk, which just adds a little something to it. I I feel like it makes it look a little bit more aged, more like there's multiple layers of paint underneath of there. So that's something else that you can play with. Uh, You're going to need the sealer of your choice. Whatever you paint with, you're going to need to seal it. So if you used latex or acrylic or spray paint, you're probably going to be best served with some kind of a spray sealer. You can choose if you want matte or if you want gloss, depending on how you want the finished thing to look. I also know folks who have used um, like glitter Mod Podge if they wanted that glitter dresser for their little girl's room. Uh, You can totally do that. You can seal with Mod Podge. Um, If you're using the chalk paints, you're going to want to seal it with wax. So Folk Art Home Decor Chalk also comes with Folk Art Home Decor Wax. And you can get that. I typically use the clear, but they also have um, a brownish antiquing color and they have a white. Um, I personally prefer the clear because it just seals invisibly and you still get the color that you wanted. 
along with the wax to apply it, you're going to want either a soft lint-free cloth. I like to take my husband's old socks and I'll turn them inside out and use those. Uh, or you can use just a scrap of a t-shirt, you know, an old t-shirt that you cut up. Or you can use a wax brush that's specifically made for applying the wax. Folk Art makes those too and it's up to you. I like to rub it in with the cloth but the wax brushes are pretty cool as well. Some optional supplies. If you want to add detailing to your piece, which I often do, you can use any stencils that you want and stencil brushes to go with it and whatever paint colors you want for that. Typically on mine, when I'm using the chalk paint, I'm also using the chalk paint for my stenciling as well. Um, and then, you know, same goes if you're painting with acrylic paint, stencil with acrylic paint. Use the same kind of paint, just a different color. Um, you also may want new hardware. One of the things that I've found when I'm giving furniture new life is that if the hardware is such that it can be replaced, it gives the furniture a completely different look. I love to go to Home Depot or to Michaels or to Home Goods and just look around for different kinds of knobs and pulls. And I found some beautiful things. My home, uh, the color scheme is pretty much the same throughout the whole thing. So I've got the teal and the gray and the white and I have found some of the most gorgeous aqua colored knobs at Home Depot they look like gems and they're just stunning so you know it's amazing how this little three dollar knob can make a huge difference in how your whole piece looks so you might want to consider new hardware um, if you can't get new hardware like when I redid our kitchen cabinets it was um it was really hard to find something that had the same whole lineup because the cabinets were old and it just, um, it was difficult to find a replacement for the handles. And so instead, I spray painted them. And that's something that you can do as well. You can paint the hardware to give it a new look. Another optional piece, if you're doing distressing, which we'll talk about in much more detail in a few minutes, if you're distressing, you either will need sandpaper or like a power sander or my personal favorite, the folk art wood layering block. And we'll talk about what that does and how to use it. But that layering block is your best friend if you like the distressed look. So that's a quick rundown of our supplies. And some of those are things, again, that everybody needs. And some will be a little bit different depending on the paint that you choose. So once you've gathered your supplies, we're going to talk about the steps. And honestly, guys, it's super easy. First step is to put down your drop cloth so you're protecting your surface. Um, my husband would definitely recommend that you do that first and foremost. Um, and then the second step, and this is something that I hate to do, but it's really necessary to do. And that Thanks for listening to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylattacreations.com. disassemble your piece. So if you're working with a china cabinet, you need to take out the drawers, unscrew everything, take off the doors, take off all the hardware. And I hate that because it's just extra prep work. It's time that I don't want to spend when I want to be painting. But I promise you, your result will be so much better if you take the time to take everything apart first and do it the right way. So all the screws come out, all the hardware, all the drawers, all the doors, take it apart. And we're going to paint in pieces. If necessary, if you've got that glossy surface, the next thing you're going to do is apply a coat of primer. 
If not, if you're doing chalk paint and it's a flat enough surface, you can go right to the painting step. And when we do that, you know, we're just going to apply a first coat and it's not going to cover. I don't care what kind of paint you're using. It's not going to cover in one coat. That's an unrealistic expectation. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're painting over white furniture to make it darker or dark furniture to make it lighter. You're always going to need more than one coat. So just prepare yourself for that. I am the most impatient crafter in the world, I think, and I hate that I have to do multiple coats. I don't like to wait, but I have learned firsthand from, you know, over and over again trying to rush the process that when you try to rush the process, all that happens is you ruin things and you end up having to take more time to go back and fix them. So patience really is a virtue. Um, Take the time, do a nice first coat and walk away. Find yourself something else to do. Go get a cup of coffee. Go, you know, listen to a podcast. Go do something. And then come back after you have let that coat dry to apply another coat. Depending on what paint you're using, it may take two coats. It may take three coats. I have never had to apply more than three coats to something. um, But it all depends on what particular paint you're using. And, you know, especially if you're going from a really dark wood and trying to make it white, you may. So just settle in for the long haul. Do a coat. Walk away and let it dry completely. Then come back. Do another coat. Walk away. Let it dry completely. I promise you, if you try to apply the next coat before the first coat is dry, you will find that you are pulling that first coat of paint off with your second coat of paint and you will want to throw things. You may throw things. I have thrown things. Um, But don't let that happen to you because all you have to do is really just let it dry and then come back and give it another coat. Once you have the coverage that you want, your piece is totally painted, then it's time to think about your detailing if you want to add any stenciling. If you do, now's the time to do it. And quick stenciling tips, when you're stenciling, less paint is more. You want as little paint on your brush as possible. It should be almost dry. So load it and then offload it, which means tap it a couple of times onto your paper plate or a paper towel or something else. Just get that excess paint off before you tap onto your design. Because the reason why so many people hate stenciling and think they're bad at it is because they use too much paint and it seeps underneath the stencil and then your image isn't crisp and then people get upset. And I trust me, I've been there. I've done that. So ever since I learned this trick, offload your brush. It's better to have to reload your brush constantly because you're running out of paint than it is to glop it on there and have it seeping underneath your stencil. So just load the littlest bit, offload it, and then stencil with almost a dry brush. Then you want to pull the stencil off while the paint is still wet. You have to be careful, but pull it off while it's still wet because otherwise it might stick to your piece and then it might pull up paint that you don't want it pulling up when you remove it. So I have lots of other stenciling tips on the blog. You can look for that, my painting and stenciling tips and tricks. Um, But that's my suggestion to you. When stenciling, less is more. Um, After you've done any stenciling you want to do, then it's time to think about distressing. And distressing is kind of a hot topic sometimes. Um, And if you're unfamiliar with the term, that's the part where we make our furniture look like it's been beat up a little bit. Um, The idea is that it's supposed to look aged and like it's been lovingly worn over time. 
Um, it's totally a stylistic choice. I have talked to people who were like, I don't get it. Why do I want my furniture to look like the paint is coming off when I just put paint on it? Um, I understand where you're coming from. Um, I've met other people, myself included, who absolutely love it as part of that farmhouse look. Um, It's totally up to you. You can do no distressing. You can do very light distressing. You can do medium, heavy distressing. Totally your call. Um, The reason why people do it is to give it that farmhouse shabby chic look, um, to give it that aged appearance. Personally, I do it not just because I like that look, but because I have kids, guys. I've got two boys, and I've got a dog and a cat who think they own the place. And let me tell you, I promise you that every piece of furniture in my house, whether I distress it or not, will end up looking distressed. It's going to have paint come off of it. It just will. I have come to accept this, and what I have discovered is that if I purposely make my furniture look distressed, I don't notice when the kids and the pets scratch it or something happens, and I feel a whole lot better about life that way. Uh, When we moved, it was funny. People were trying to be super careful with our coffee table and things like that, and I'm like, guys, look at it. It's distressed. I'll never know if you put a ding in it. (laughs) So it's kind of nice because it takes the worry for me out of trying to have nice things, you know. (laughs) Sometimes we look at my cat and we're like, you are why we can't have nice things, because he's destroyed every set of blinds and some of the curtains in our house we've had to replace um, because he's a jerk sometimes, you know, cats. And so the furniture is one thing that I don't have to worry about him ruining um, because it's already meant to look aged and a little bit scratched up. Um, So that's just my perspective on why I personally distress. To do it, you can sand off some of the paint. That's sort of one of the traditional methods everybody has heard. You can sand your furniture and just take the paint off the edges. So you paint it and then you just take some of that back off and it reveals the wood underneath um, or whatever layer of paint was underneath. I don't like to do it by sanding, first of all, because I feel like it actually can damage the piece itself, which isn't ideal. I want to preserve the wooden piece that I have. And if you ever, you know, maybe this will go out of style in 10 or 20 years and everybody will have beautifully new looking painted things. And if I ever want to repaint stuff, if I have disshaped the wood by sanding part of the wood away, then it's going to look really funky when I try to paint over all of it without the distressed look. Um, So that's one thing to keep in mind as well. Also, sanding is just more work. My arms get tired when I try doing that. Um, Even if you use a power sander, which sometimes that can be hard to control, and I've ended up like sanding off more than I want it to um, just because it's powerful. So all that to say, can you sand? Yes. Is there a better way? I think so. And that's by adding paint, which sounds really funny. And I was super skeptical to do this the first time I tried it. Um, They taught us how to do this at Plaid headquarters back in the spring. And I was so nervous to do it because I had painted this pretty little sign. And they were like, yeah, now you're going to dip this wooden layering block into black paint and you're going to rub it on your sign. And I'm like, I'm going to say what? And I was so terrified to do it. And then I did it and it looked amazing. And I was like, I can't believe what just happened. I put paint on and it looks like I took paint off. It's the weirdest thing. But all you need is that layering block that we talked about. It's a wooden square with a little handle. And all you do is you put a really thin coat of paint on there. Again, you want to offload, get it kind of dry. And then you're just going to rub that block on the edges of your piece of furniture, applying 
this paint and you know you can use black you can use like a dark brown I use one that's called java um you can use gray you can even use white um because you know sometimes the distressed look doesn't show the wood it shows like layers of paint that were underneath your current layer of paint so you can use honestly any color that you want to get this effect um it's nice because you can paint right over it if you do too much or you can always add more if you do too little and none of it is actually changing the structure of the wood you're not getting rid of any of the wood itself um so this is the way that I love to do it but either way whether you're sanding or adding paint remember that when you're doing it you want it to look natural think about what areas where wear and tear would naturally happen so like the edges of the legs around you know the edges of the top of a table if there's raised up decorative stuff along those little decorative pieces it's probably going to get worn think about if this were actually an old piece of furniture that had been banged around a little bit touched loved you know well loved well used where would the paint be peeling off a little bit you don't want it to look like it was chained to the back of a pickup truck and dragged for 10 miles down the highway it's not supposed to look destroyed it's supposed to look lovingly aged so keep that in mind when you're trying to decide where to do the distressing once your distressing is done um, if you did the paint option you want to make sure that that's totally dry and then you're going to apply whatever sealer it is so if you're going to use a spray sealer you can do that if you're doing the chalk you want to rub your wax in so like I said I use the old sock and just rub it in and you'll be able to see where the wax is it'll have a different appearance so you'll be able to see real easily when you've covered everything let it dry for a couple of hours and then go back and buff it so that it has the shine that you want and that's all that you have to do. It's ready to use, ready to display. Um, what I've found, and like I told you, probably, gosh, well over 75% of the furniture in my house has been repainted and redone by me. And all of it is still in great condition, even things that I did up to nine years ago. And, you know, you can wipe it down. I did my cabinets this way, my kitchen table, my dining room table, all of it. And you can easily wipe it down, clean it off, um, and it's still in great condition. I mean, obviously, I use my kitchen cabinets every single day, and they still look fantastic. So um, it's something that it takes a little bit of time to do, but not a ton of supplies, not a ton of investment, not a ton of money. And it's something that will last you and look nice for a really long time. So those are my quick tips for Furniture Makeovers 101. Um, I hope that's helpful to you. And I would just encourage you to give it a try. Find an inexpensive piece at Goodwill that you think is fun. Something small, maybe a little end table or a stool. And just see what you can do. And my guess is that you're going to love the results. Thanks for listening to the Crafting and Coffee Podcast with Amy Latta Creations. For more inspiration, check out amylattacreations.com.